Praise the Lord. Today we will continue um, in our series, Banishing Fear. Banishing Fear. And when part two of Banishing Fear, last week we laid a foundation and we kind of set the tone for this for the series. And um, this week we are uh, drilling down into a particular area of life. And um, we are looking at banishing financial fear. Banishing financial fear. If we ask or take a poll and say, if you are here, you've never been afraid of um, the financial future, um, raise your hand. I'm sure... Um, if there's going to be an end up, it will be that of a little child. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. In fact, there's this magazine called The Futurist. They did an extensive survey and they found out what is the um, future fear of people. Is it the fear of getting ill in the future or is it the fear of, of, of what? And they discovered that the number one fear of the future is financial fear. The number one fear of the future is financial fear. And, and, and in their analysis, they, 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 they said that no matter how much you make or save, they said, Every human being on earth, no matter how much the person makes or saves, the person can lose it all. That there is no amount you can make or save that cannot be lost. And that is scary, isn't it? (laughs) You know, I mean, so the fear of the financial future is a major fear um, for, 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 for a lot of people. So, the question is, Pastor, we are, we are looking at banishing financial fear. So how on earth can we banish financial fear? How do we be free of financial worries in a world that is highly financial? In a financial world. How do you live in a financial world without financial fears? Or financial worries. Because there's hardly nothing you can do these days without needing to dole out some money. So how? That is what God is going to show us today. Praise the name of the Lord. Our text, I believe we all have the outline, so we're going to be filling in the blanks. Our text is Psalm 37, Verse 25, Psalm 37, Psalm 37, verse 25. It says, from the NIV, it says, I have been young and now I am old. It says, yet 
I have not seen. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Or his children begging bread, begging for bread. So the word of God is saying, if you check the righteous from time immemorial till now to the future, you will never find the righteous financially forsaken or a seed begging bread. But you and I know that there are a lot of, in fact, in, in scriptures, there was the widow of the prophet that was begging bread. So what, what is wrong here? She wasn't only begging bread, they were about to sell his children into slavery. So what, what is wrong here? Today, we are going to look at two things that will banish financial fear in our lives. So, there are some truths you and I need to know. That's the first thing. And second, secondly, there are some actions you and I need to take. So, there are some truths you need to know. And there are some actions you need to take. <laughs> there are some truths you need to know and there are some actions you need to take. So, so what are the truths that I need to know? What are the truths that I need to know to banish financial fear from my life forever? We'll start with the truth. Then we go to the actions. In Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34, which um, we're going to be zooming in on the different verses as we, as we go, go along, Jesus says that you and I, that I am not to worry about finances for five reasons. Jesus gave me five reasons, five truths, why I should not worry about financial crisis. It says, why? Because we are going to go, I mean, take it one by one, but it says it's unreasonable to worry about it. It's unnatural to worry about it. It's unhelpful to worry about it. It's unnecessary to worry about it. And it shows an unbelieving heart if we worry about it. So, why am I not to worry about finances? Number one, in Matthew 6, 25, Jesus says it is unreasonable to worry about financial, the financial future, to worry. It's unreasonable. Verse 25, Matthew 6, 25. So the first thing there is unreasonable. I mean, was, did that come up at all? Did it come up? Okay. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important? Everybody more important. 
Life is more important than food. That's what Jesus said. And the body more important than clothes. Life is more important than money. So Jesus says it's unreasonable to begin to worry about finances. There are people that honestly think if I have more money, I will be happier. It's an error. <laughs> if, if I have more money, this marriage will be, will be happier in this marriage. If, if we take a census, a lot of marriages, couples think if they have more money, they'll be happier. Nothing can be bigger than that. Not, no lie can be bigger than that. A big fat lie. Say, Pastor, is that true? Some people are looking at me that, really? I said, yes. In fact, money is an amplifier. So whatever challenges you have right now, when there is a lot of money in the marriage, the challenge is going to, it's going to escalate. So if the man is proud, when he has a lot of money, what will happen? Hey, wife number three is coming. If the woman has a sharp mouth, once she has a lot of money, what happens? If you don't deal with it, so, so the things that make for high-quality life is not money. Praise the name of the Lord. It's not money. I can tell you that for a fact. I've been married for 13 years. I can tell you. And I'm, by the grace of God, happily married. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't be jealous. Go on, go and get married. <laughs> Now, 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 guys, I'm telling you, if you, I've thought about times we didn't have anything. I've thought about times that we have some things. The truth is, money did not determine the times we were happier. And we are getting happier every day. It just happened to be that we are getting wealthier every day too. So, you know, just, <laughs> I'm joking. Now, Stop correlating the quality of your life. Stop linking the quality of your life to the amount of money you have so that your life does not pass you by before you discover that it is not the amount of money that determines whether you enjoy your life or not. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus says it's unreasonable. Number two, Jesus says it's unnatural. It's not only unreasonable, it's unnatural. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in bands. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Who's heavenly father? Mine. He feeds them. Are you not more valuable? Than they. Jesus is saying, look at these birds. By the time you get to verse 29, he will say, look at the grass in the field. Look at the natural things. God provides for them. How much more you? So for you to worry about finances, it is not natural. The birds does not wake up one day and begin to say, oh, I need to build a bigger nest for retirement when I retire. So, pff, retirement?
It's unnatural to worry about finances. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, look at the birds. Look at nature. They don't even worry. They don't, they don't, they don't lose sleep. And, and it took, I mean, I, by the grace of God, I mean, God has taught me this truth years ago, years ago. I remember when, I, when we just got married and we were struggling to pay rent. <laughs> and my wife would come and say to me that the rent is due next week. I said, I know. I said, we don't have money. I said, I know. He said, you're not worried. I said, no. And she thought that was very strange. In fact, she said that she used to bother her. Now, what kind of man is this? And I said to her, listen, so if I worry now, right? Without paying for the bills. Without paying for the bills. So if I get worried, guess what will happen? I'm going to be cranky. I'm going to make your life more miserable. And because you begin to worry too, you make my life more miserable. Then what happens? Then we both make our lives what? Miserable. It is not natural. That's what Jesus is saying. In fact, of all God's creation, man is the only one that worries about provision. Of all God's creation, man is the only one that worries about provision. Look at the birds, Jesus said. They don't sow, they don't reap, yet your own father, your heavenly father feeds them. How much more you? How much more you? And worrying is so unnatural, it crushes our health. Worry crushes our health. Our bodies weren't designed to handle worry. So when you begin to worry, your stomach begins to churn. Your health begins to deteriorate. You begin to have headaches. You, be, you, are, you begin to be sleepless. Have sleepless nights. Your, your body is not designed to carry it. It is not natural. So not only is it unreasonable, it is unnatural. Not only is it unreasonable and unnatural, it is unhelpful. It is unhelpful. Worrying is unhelpful. Verse 27, it says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Who of you? Which of you? Show by raising your hand. I can worry to add a single... Nobody can do it. So, Let's bring it home. Okay, you say life is, 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 how do I know? I've added one hour to my life. How many of you, or how many of us, have been able to pay our children's school fees by worrying? You went to the boss, boss of the school and you said, this is my catalog of worry. That should count for something. Look, it, it doesn't, it, it's unhelpful. It's totally unhelpful. Say, oh, I'm just stewing, I'm stewing, I'm, I'm stewing, I'm worrying, I'm worrying, I'm worrying. Like someone said, worrying is stewing without doing. Worrying is stewing without doing. I'm just worrying, I'm just worrying, I'm just worrying. It is unhelpful, totally unhelpful. You know, I've shared it before. A lady came to my office and, you know, and he had a lot of worries. And God kind of, you know, calmed her down and diffused everything. And, you know, and she was really fine and she was really happy. And she got up 
from my office to leave, and she got halfway to the door, and she turned back. And she said, Pastor, I don't have any worries again. I said, praise God. Since now that I'm not worried, what will I be doing? <laughs> she said, what will I be doing? And I said, be praising God. There are many things to be doing. I said, worry has become our pet. So you've just taken my pet from me. When I'm left home at, at night, what will I be doing? Read your Bible. Put in praise and worship. Worship Jesus. Stop worrying. Say to your neighbor, stop worrying. So worrying is not only unreasonable, it's unhealthy. It's not only unhealthy, it's unhelpful. It's not only unhelpful, it is unnecessary. Worry is unnecessary. Verse 30, this, this is what Jesus is saying to us in someone on the mount. Verse 30 of Matthew 6, he says, if that is how God clothes the grass. I will say grass. God clothes the grass. Grass that everybody tramples upon. If that is how God, God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. God is saying, give me some credit here. I mean, growing up, thinking back, when you come back from school with, they used to give us a teller, right, back in the day, that has our school fees, right? You just go, give it to your parents, and you go and play. I mean, do you even think where they get the money from? Not that you, really, do you, do you really care? I didn't care <laughs> where they got the money from. And listen, God has assumed that parental responsibility of your life. Just drop. Did somebody try to clap? <laughs> I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Just drop the bill and go and play. <laughs> so I say so. You know, Pastor, that's why you are so playful. Yes. No worries, none. The ones that want to come, mm, it's not my own to carry. Why? Because it is totally unnecessary. It says, Oh, you of little what? Faith. So, if, but if you are <laughs> going to start worrying, you are saying to God, are you my father? In fact, all fear, write it down. I think it's going to come up on the screen. All fear comes from a misunderstanding of who God is. All fear comes from a misunderstanding of who God is. All form of worry, all form of anxiety comes from a misunderstanding of who God is. First John 4, 18, we learned last week. God is love. And there's no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out what? Fear. It casts it out. So when we are fearful, it's a lack of an understanding on, on who, who, who God is. God is your father. Most of us here, some if not most, I think most, have trusted 
Jesus with our eternity for our salvation. We trusted God for our eternity. In other words, when we die, I have no doubt by the grace of God where I'm going. And many of us here are like that. We've trusted God with our salvation. You trust God with your salvation, but you can't trust God with your money. Isn't something wrong with that immediately? You're saying, God, you can sort out this huge thing, but you can't sort out money. You can't sort out my finances. You know, the story that comes to mind easily is, you probably know the story, the story of an old woman that was carrying a huge basket. She was carrying a huge basket. She was standing by the road. And a young man was driving and saw this old woman, that pastor, saw in a mirror, reversed, and, you know, it was in a, like a pickup, kind of. And, and he said, oh, mama, you know, enter, you know. And the old woman entered the pickup at the back and sat down. And the guy drove for a while. I noticed that this woman was still carrying the basket on her head. Even though she was sitting at, at the back of the pickup, she was carrying the basket on her head. And, and she said, oh, mama, put down the basket. And mama, the woman said, oh, my son, you have tried. You have carried me. Let me carry the basket. It sounds funny. It sounds ridiculous. But that's how we are with God. You can save me, but let me worry about my money. Let me worry about my finances. You can save my soul, but you cannot. Let me worry. You, you have tried. You have tried. Jesus. Say to your neighbor, put down the basket. Come on, come on. Say to them, put down the basket. <laughs> you know, my, my grandmother used to sing a song. I mean, Pastor Moralaka, many times she comes to me and, and we have a budget and we don't have... Um, in the natural, we don't have what will supply the, the budget. And she's like, oh, pastor, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And I say to her, I sing a, a song to her, the song my grandmother used to sing to us. She's illiterate, so the song's Yoruba. I'm interpret it. What does it mean? God will provide for all our needs. Everyone that lacks we have, everyone that have we have in abundance. There's Amen. Amen. There's provision for the birds of the air. Don't let your heart be sad. God will provide. Listen, I know it from the depths of my being that God will provide. So today, when she comes to me with, with, with budget, and she wants to ask the question. She begins to sing the song herself. <laughs> because she knows the answer. God will provide. Abraham said to Isaac, don't worry about where the sacrifice is going to come from. God will provide. I remember back in the day, 
one of these many rent discussions I had with my wife, I said to her, don't ever ask me for how this rent is going to be paid again. Ever. Boju. But it was beyond that. It was, it was beyond that. I, I had full assurance that if he could provide for the birds in the air, he will provide for me. For me. <laughs> I am confident that he will provide. Hallelujah. I'm totally confident. So, so when we take on a project, when we say oh, we want to do this, it's going to be this amount, you know, <laughs> you know, I, it's normal. People say to me, ah, pastor, is it possible? All sorts of funny, funny things. I just laugh. Because I have been young. Now I'm getting old. I'm not old yet. <laughs> yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken. No, you see, beg bread. You will not be the first. You, will, you are not about to break God's record. No, you are not. To say to your neighbor, calm down. Cool temper. <laughs> so worry is not only unreasonable, unnatural, unhelpful, unnecessary. It shows I am unbelieving. It's unbelieving. Worry is unbelieving. It says in verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or for, for what? The pagans, the unbelievers run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So if you are an unbeliever, Bible is saying you should worry, you should be running, you know. You should be running very fast. But if you're a believer, your father knows. Your father will take care of you. So stop acting like an orphan. Stop acting like an orphan. Your father knows. Worrying is playing God. Stop playing God. So Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 says, For God will meet a few of your needs. All your needs. According to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, question. What does all mean? Everything. All means what? So what's left to worry about? Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing that is left to worry about. Go and use your mind for more creative things. Don't worry. Now, but you need to see here that by God, we supply every need. Every need, not every want. Every need. There's a difference between your need and your wants. God will supply all my needs. 
The Bible assures, but not all my greed. Two different things. God will supply all my, not all my, not all my greed. First of us, I have children. Question. Your children, do they know what they need? Really? They don't. But they know what they want. So are we with God many times. Sometimes you want to marry someone. You really want to. But God knows you don't need that person. He will give you the person you need. That will make you fulfill your destiny. Now, some people are very uncomfortable now. <laughs> God will give you the person you need, not necessarily the person you want. You may not, but down the line you will want the person, don't get me wrong. But right now you don't know. Like a child, you don't know. You don't know. So, God has promised that he will meet every need. So question, if God has promised to meet every need, so pastor, why do I still have unmet needs? These are not wants, pastor. These are needs. If God has promised to meet every need, why do I still have? And, you know, that we kind of set that as a segue to the next thing we want to talk about. But before we even get there, we need to realize that God will provide every need and every other promise in the Bible for every promise in the Bible, there is a premise, there's a condition. The love of God is unconditional, but the promises of God are conditional. For every promise, there is a premise. Remember we said, there are some truths you need to know and there are some actions you need to take. These actions are the premises that need to be fulfilled, the conditions that need to be fulfilled. So, what are the conditions, if you flip over your notes, what are the conditions that guarantee that God will meet my needs? You can underline the word guarantees. In fact, you can circle it. What conditions guarantees that God will meet my needs? And, and Jesus says to us, if we do these five things we are about to do, learn, your needs are guaranteed to be met. So instead of worrying, do the five things and never have to worry again. Banish fear. So invariably, if you meet the premise... You will land the promise. If you meet the premise, you will land the promise. So pay attention. What are the conditions? God will meet all my needs. Number one, if I put Christ first in my life. God will meet all my needs if I put Christ first in my life. You know, it says in, in verse 32 and 33, it says, your heavenly father already knows perfectly well wow, what you need. He says, he will give it to you if 
If it's a conditional statement. If you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to, God will give you what you need. The premise is, if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to, seek, the KJV says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? It didn't say seek only the kingdom of God. It says seek first. Make it priority. Make Christ priority. We learned on Sunday. Jesus says, you can't be my disciple if you don't prefer me above your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your husband, your wife, even your own life. He says, you can't be my disciple if you don't prefer me, if you put me side by side with your spouse and you can choose your spouse over me, you are worthy of me, Jesus said. So anything you love more than God is going to become a source of anxiety in your life. Anything. Anything you love more than God. Your job, your business, your hobby, your child, your grandchild, for those of us that are grandparents, your grandfather, your grandmother, your husband, your wife, your money, anything you love more than God is going to become a source of anxiety in your life. So stop living for possession and start living for God. Stop living for possession and start living for God. Stop living for possession and start living for God. Does God want us to work hard? Yes, of course. But God doesn't want our work to own us. Does God want us to be wealthy? Of course. But God doesn't want our wealth to own us. Does God want us to be happily married? Of course. But God doesn't want our spouse to own us. Does God want you to have children? Of course. But God doesn't want your children to own you. So, God will meet all my needs if I put Christ first in my life, number one. Number two, if I pray and expect an answer. This is very crucial. A lot of people just like to pray. But God wants us to go beyond it. Just pray. God wants us to expect an answer. So, if I pray and expect an answer, Matthew 7, 11, it says, if you, though evil, know how to give good Gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? To those who ask him. In the New Testament alone, in 40 places, God says, ask, 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 ask. Why would God say ask? God that is all-knowing. Why would he say ask? We have not because we ask not. In fact, if you want to see God in action in your life, how many people want to see God in action in their lives? I do. 
everybody here, you want to, I'm sure, I'm confident. If you want to see God in action in your life, anything at all that is before you, even if you can afford it ten times over, before you pay for it, pray for it. I like this belt. How much is it? Just 10,000 naira. I can afford it. Guess what? Don't just bring out your wallet and swipe. No. Don't just, no, 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 no. Before you pay for it, do what? Pray for it. It will change your life. It will, it will give your relationship with God. It will take you to another level. Why? Because you begin to see God move in ways that will shock you. I'm telling you this. You know, I have people that, you know, I, I, it's good to go to Bible college. I, I, you know, I, I, and I know that I, I, I was a, I'm a Bible college dropout. I spent two days in Bible college. <laughs> Just two days. <laughs> so I'm a dropout. I'm not even fit to be preaching. <laughs> because I didn't graduate. Anyway, don't tell anybody. And there is a lot of this as uh, the apologist. There's an apology part of Bible college that, that you can prove God or disprove God. Da, 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 da. While all that is good, what I've realized in my life is that the greatest proof of God is answered prayers. Totally. I can tell you Stories upon stories of my own life. Stories upon stories upon stories upon stories that God is alive. Before you pay for it, do what? Pray for it. You begin to discover, you know, I mean, back in the day, you know, my, my wife, you know when we got married, I, I said to my wife that, I believe women sh- should work if they want to work. And that's fantastic. And I believe women should become all that God has called them to be. That's fantastic. But once a woman gets married, this is my own thing, as, according to the word of God, I, as far as I know. Once a woman gets married, I, I don't think she has to bear the financial burden. I know some people think it's 50-50. I know. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying... As far as I can see from scripture, the financial burden of the home is <laughs> it's like some people are <laughs> the financial burden of the home should be shouldered by the man. The woman should help. What does help mean? Help means you are carrying something already. Uh, the woman can help. It's fine. I didn't even get here, sir. <laughs> so I said to my wife, you don't have to work. I mean, she was my wife, my wife the workaholic. She worked in <laughs> different places. I was taking her to different places all over the world. Anyhow, I said to her, you don't have to work. I don't have all the money in the world. If you want to work, you can work. But I don't want you waking up thinking, if I don't go to work, we may not be able to pay what? 
Do, that should never cross your mind. Deal? She said, deal. It should never cross your mind. I hope I've not overstepped. <laughs> oh, I have a lot to say. I'm not sure you can handle it yet. <laughs> but let me just say the words that <clears throat> you can handle. Anyway, so, she comes to me, she says, oh, she needs to get this or she needs to buy this or she needs to buy this. And I ask her, have you prayed about it? She said, why should I pray when I know that you can pay? <laughs> I said, oh, you have to pray before you pay. Because I'm not your source. God is your source. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. As much as your wife does not need to work, if she begins to think you are her source, she will put you in the place of God. And God will not share his glory with any man. So God will have to kill you. And I don't want to die young. So before you pay for it, pray for it. That's how I run my life. I I want to buy even a t-shirt. I want to buy a t-shirt. I ask God. Pray for it. You will discover many things. Number one, you will discover that shockingly, God may not want you to buy it. Number two, you may discover shockingly, God may not want you to pay for it from your pocket. God will say, there are many times I wanted to buy. God says, don't worry, I'll give you. And God gives me, I don't have to pay for it. You will discover shockingly that God says, okay, you want to pay for it, wait. Watch this miracle. And as you're working, you're working this miracle. I say, God, where's the miracle? As somebody you don't know from any, you've not seen the person for a long time, person comes and says, oh, I used to owe your father money. Here's the money. Say, my father, okay, bring the money first. <laughs> you will see God in action. It will blow your mind. So the more you learn to pay, pray for it before paying for it, the more you see God as your source. The more your financial fears vanishes. The more you are at peace and you are at rest. Praise the name of the Lord. So number three, God will meet all my needs if I put Christ first in my life, number one. Number two, if I pray and expect an answer. Number three, if I obey God's financial principles, God will meet all my needs. If I obey God's financial principles. If you're writing, you need to write really fast now. I need to go at jet speed. Proverbs 28, 20. It says, the man who wants to do right will get a rich reward. Says, but the man who wants to get rich quick, we quickly fail. Which do you choose? Do right. The one who wants to do right, who wants to 
obey God's financial instruction, we'll always become wealthy. We always get a rich reward. Always. Stop looking for shortcuts. Stop looking for get-rich-quick schemes. Follow God. You know, I keep saying, I said this on Sunday, I'm going to say it again. Thinking clearly about finances. Even if you were here at that teaching, go and get the teaching. You need to listen to it again. You need to listen to it again. I, 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 I enumerated financial principles. All these things work in consonance. So if you want God's blessings, you must follow God's instructions. Number four, God will meet my needs, all my needs, if I demonstrate contentment with what I have already. If I demonstrate contentment with what I have already. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10 to 11, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough and is never satisfied with his income. It says, but goods increase. That is goods, not goals. As goods increase, that's goods. So O-D-S on your notes. It's corrected on the screen. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. <laughs> In other words, when you have, when you have 50,000, you think, oh, if I can only get 100K, I'll be happy. But as you get 100K, your, your truth becomes wide. They say, oh, one miller, one miller, one miller. As you get one miller, what happens? Your truth becomes... Why? So, you, if you don't learn to be content, I said to folks, which is back to what I said, that if you think money is going to make your marriage better, it's a big lie. If you don't learn to be content at 50, you, you, will, you cannot be content at a million. It's not possible. It's more difficult to be content at a million. If you don't learn how to be content with 10 million, you cannot be content with hundreds of millions. You can't be. Why? Because you are going to increase as goods increase, so do what? Those that con- consume them. You will discover that the friends that you don't even know from anywhere, they will, everybody will be your friend. Until they chop finish, they won't go. When they chop finish, they will leave you and go and be somebody else. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Pastor, I should be content. Yes. And the source of discontentment, largely, is comparison. And the source of discontentment, comparison. You, you, before you got out of the house, you had no problem with your car or with the dress you are wearing. You look cute. You are fine. All of a sudden, you came to church. You see a better car. You say, ah, I have to increase my, my hustle. You see a lady wearing a better dress, say, ah, me to have to get that kind of dress. Listen, you don't have to. You are okay. <laughs> Be content. You are beautiful the way you are. You are fine. Comparison. 
Praise the Lord. <laughs> the greatest source of discontentment. Abacuc, Hebrew, sorry. Hebrews 13.5 says, be content. Now, this is a pivotal scripture. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you, nor what? Forsake you. So be content in your connection with God. Contentment is not complacency. I pastor, are you saying that I should not have financial goals? No. That is complacency. Contentment is whatever comes my way, Christ will sustain me. Whatever I have, I am complete in Christ. I don't need to wear a better shirt to have more value. No. I am valuable already. That is contentment. And God says, when I see such a person that is content, I can't help but bless the person more. Pastor, is that scriptural? Yes. If you write it down, 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says the eyes of the Lord goes to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on those whose hearts are committed to him, are totally content. Oh, it's in my notes. I didn't know. I put it in very late. I didn't know. I made it to the screen. (laughs) My happiness doesn't depend on my circumstance. So, God will meet all my needs, number one, if I put Christ first in my life. Number two, if I pray and expect an answer. Number three, if I obey God's financial principles. Number four, if I demonstrate contentment with what I already have. And number five, if I practice the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest simply states, whatever you sow in this life, you are going to reap it. If you sow kindness, you will reap it. If you sow criticism, you will reap it. If you sow discouragement, you will reap it. If you sow finances, you will reap it. If you sow time, energy, whatever you sow, you reap. Second Corinthians 8. I think that's 2 Corinthians 9. Six to eight. There's a mix-up somewhere. It says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also what? Reap generously. Each one should give what is as decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly, not under pressure. God says don't give under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Sowing and reaping applies to everything in life, including money. If a farmer buys 50 hectares of land, and the land is bare. He just bought it. The farmer doesn't go there and begin to get angry. Why is there no crop in this land? If the farmer does that, the farmer is the bad farmer. <laughs> Why are there no cocoa on this plantation? It's badness. The farmer doesn't do that. I don't know what the farmer does. The farmer just takes seeds and, 
and souls. And many of us, you want to get out of your financial challenges, you have prayed. Keep praying. But prayer will not change it. <laughs> it won't. I wish I could tell you that it will. It won't. Alone. You need to give. And I can give you stories and stories and stories of my own life. So, when I have a need, I sow a seed. Why? There is a seed for every need. And the seed will meet the need. When I have a need, I do what? I sow a seed. Because there is a what? Seed for every need. And the seed will meet the need. People say, I will give when all my needs are met. Ah, I need to do this. I need to do this. When I do, when I do, when I do, then I will, you know, ah, we are coming, we are coming. Pastor, we are coming. <laughs> we are coming. But you know what God says? God says, when you start giving, then your needs will be met. Folks says, oh, when my needs are met, I'll start giving. God says, no. When you start giving, then your needs will be met. In that scripture that you have, this final scripture, I want to circle all the alls and every. All grace abound to you in all things, at all times, having all that you need, in every good work. It shows you how abundantly, abundance rather, the mind of God is to, for us. God doesn't want us to be in lack. God doesn't want us to be managing And I believe it's a great testimony when we live in a world of financial worries and we as Christians, we don't have financial pressure. The people of the world, they are under pressure and there's going to be intense pressure. People are worrying about so many things. (laughs) Worrying about the dollar in this part of the world. Worrying about nuclear weapons. Worrying about this market. Worrying about that market. Worrying about finance. The greatest testimony is if you and I, children of God, we are without worry. It's a huge testimony. When all your friends are like, I don't, I don't understand what the market is saying, and you smile. Not necessarily because you have a billion dollars in your account, but because you know that I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. No, he seed begging bread. Hallelujah. That's, 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 that's what secures your heart and my heart. Everyone must decide to trust God. There's a real life story of a man. This man, his father was a pastor. When his father passed on, the family went through a lot. And he wrote, this is story, real life story. He says, one night at the age of 56, I was broke, discouraged, and ill at my home in Michigan. I thought I will never see the dawn of another day. Above all, take out the shield of faith. 
Well, let me read from my notes, so Jerry. <laughs> I, okay. I got up, wrote farewell letters to my wife and oldest son, sealed the letters. I rose early and went down the stairs and I heard this song being played, God will take care of you. I came out of that room, a changed man. God did take care of me. He did save me. He gave his life to Christ. And ever since then, I have been trying to serve him. I got a turnaround. I enjoyed material wealth more than I ever done before. But above all, I have gained immensely in spiritual wealth, for I have learned to turn to God for guidance for all the acts and decisions of my life. James Cash Penny. Jesse Penny. Hey, people know Jesse Penny. Oh, yeah, it's one of the shop at Jesse Penny. He decided to trust God with his life. The day he heard, God will take care of you. God has brought you here today so that you will hear that God will take care of you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to embrace it like Jesse Penny did? Or are you going to turn to worry? The choice is yours. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh, <laughs>